0: Yeah, so bodhicitta, that's a—that's a interesting concept. And I think that it's something that Buddhism, Christianity certainly has the idea of, of helping your fellow man. Um, but then there's sort of, well, but some people are going to hell, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, the idea of bodhicitta, that you're doing the practice for the sake of other sentient beings, I think that that could be a very mind-blowing or maybe uh, the type of thing where some people go, I don't know about that, and and they would sort of be turned away Mm -hmm. from the practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see that being daunting. Uh, I, I I certainly can relate to, like, before knowing what that was, before I stumbled into Buddhism, I think if anybody had approached me with that idea, I would probably have said something like, Well, how big is your ego? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know,
1: like what are you, you know, what are you talking about? Is um if you don't have this idea, <clears throat> if you don't have this idea that the way that your mind turns is having a result, is having an impact mm-hmm. on on how you feel in not only now but how you see yourself feel and how you see yourself in the future then that kind of an idea is pretty hard to buy if you don't buy that because you know how does a person go from being mainly concerned about themselves to then uh, trying to develop this mind that's got this like ultimately altruistic viewpoint.
0: that right. has got, you know, that's a that's a that's a big ask. I think. <laughs> I think so, yeah. And also, yeah. it it might help to kind of think that, you know, sort of we're all part of the same thing. You know, the breaking down of subject and object between um, ourselves and other people that we're all interconnected. Um, that could certainly um, help a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, you're still going to sort of see yourself as separate, right, from mm-hmm. other people. And like you were saying, you know, having a big ego about it. Well, yes, I'm doing a lot of practice and I'm, I meditate for, you know, 10 hours a day and it's it's for your benefit. <laughs> yeah. I am here for you. <laughs> That's why I do it. Yeah. But there is something about that dedication then, right? That. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting that, that the, any result that you had, any insight, any bliss that you experienced, you're, you're giving it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's so many layers to it. There's so many levels. I mean, levels, I guess you could say, but layers to this bodhicitta idea. Like, mm-hmm.
3: for one thing, it's a great antidote to this uh,
1: selfish thinking that we just we're just we just have it it's like ingrained you know it's a selfish selfish viewpoint and i think to overcome that it takes a lot of firepower mm-hmm. and that that idea of bodhicitta is very very it's a lot of firepower to um, turn the mind from being self-consumed to being more concerned about others and you expand, expanding your uh, idea of where you stop and where you end. Mm. And uh, because I think if if the, if we are to believe that we can become a, a totally enlightened being and
3: so a totally enlightened being, you know, so they say, there's, there. There's no uh, boundary like the way a normal human being would experience
1: a boundary between like me and you or mm-hmm. us and them, and so in order to go from that us and them and this is the line, this is where I stop and you end. I mean, you start. In order to o- overcome that, we got to do something. Yeah. Something has to come in to change that and. Uh, so we're really, it's a, it's a big ask, but yeah, it's a big ask.
0: <laughs> I think most people, when, when they do something nice for someone, even if it's just holding the door open for them, they get a little bit of a bump, you know, they, they feel happy. Hey, I did something. Even yeah. if, if there's some type of, even if it's massively, you're just bolstering your ego, there's still that understanding there. There's still this thing that helping other people makes you feel good you know i I learned that at a very early age my my father ran the saint vincent de paul uh, society at our church and so Mm. i would help him on food drives and clothing drives and i was just like oh you would think that to ask a teenage kid to go out on this truck and and you know throw clothes around and and blah blah blah, i thought it was great i couldn't wait to do it because i would just get so happy about it but i didn't understand that you know, yeah. right after that, I would just go right back to to searching for my own personal happiness, not necessarily at other people's expense, but certainly not with any concern whatsoever for you know how this might you know impact somebody else. But you might not know that. I think many people don't know that. Maybe if you just had that one little kernel of knowledge that hey, you want some true happiness? I got I got the stuff right here. <laughs> I got the goods. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting how that that is. And the the way you mentioned it, how we can have these little clues, like you said, as a teenager there, you were out uh, serving Mm -hmm. and getting, uh, you know, a a buzz from that. Like, yeah, this is great. And then just not cluing in Mm -hmm. to like, what's, why? Like, why am I just feel so good? We just forget, Mm. you know? And I, I think that's, um, one of the maybe the sad things about relationship too is in the beginning of a relationship we meet somebody and then it's almost like we go in it's like meeting someone that we fall in love with is like you become a bodhisattva overnight it's (laughs) like it's like but but not to all beings to one being but but you get that you get that like wow and and then why is it so hard for us to get to get that clue right Right at the scene of the crime right okay it feels really awesome to be selfless and then for some reason you know karmic propensity whatever it is and then because we don't understand where all this these feelings are coming from we believe that this person is providing these feelings. you know we can go down that rabbit hole if you want to later but um it starts to wear out and then that feeling starts to diminish, and next thing you know, now you know this person is no longer now now they're a problem,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And and we forgot like wow it just felt so good to serve this person, you know. And then along comes someone like you know the Buddha and says, well if you want to be happy, then be a servant. Yeah. And we're we're in the Western world, we're like, what are you talking about? I don't. You know, I, I I just I got my iPhone and I got my job and I've got my, you know, and things are going all right and I think the 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 hard the pill to swallow about this whole thing is uh, that we don't recognize that we're suffering.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there's yeah. a quote from Shantideva that just sums it up. It's so so pith you know so uh, instruction of we we want happiness but we chase after the things that will yeah. bring us suffering and we don't want suffering and yeah we we push it we push happiness aside and we br- we we cultivate suffering yeah. yeah so maybe it's just a question then of you know um again going back to the idea of refuge if you take refuge in this idea you're going to start to see that if if it's not just something that you should do every once in a while, or you do it at the end of a day, de- you do the dedication. You're not really thinking about it too much. The more you would do it, the more you practice it. Like the more you practice the six one uh, each of the six perfections, the more it's going to sort of just keep growing and growing. And you'll say, Ah, oh, okay, deeper insights that way, right?
3: Yeah, and if you like, you say.
1: On a daily basis, it's you know it's working its way into the fiber of your being. You know it's like working its way in till it becomes like the mesh of your reality. And
3: what's beautiful is the potential for that idea. Okay, okay, here
1: here it is. I'm I've decided that I'm going to do everything that I can with the time I have, with my daily life, whatever I can do. Mm-hmm. To wake up so that I can help other people. And if that can actually become an overarching theme, Mm. then everything that you do in the day is underneath the the umbrella of this overarching theme. And you're so you're, uh, it's like your life becomes powered by this idea. You know, whatever whatever I'm faced with, you know, whatever relationship I'm facing, fe- whatever job I'm faced with, I'm going to use that to discover myself enough mm. to wake up enough
0: to actually be of assistance. In in a spontaneous way, too. Yeah, in yeah. a spontaneous way. Yeah, I think it goes yeah. back to the, again, the idea of, of, you know, that this is, it's difficult work and you know, yeah. a concert pianist there'd be a point where you're like oh I don't need to le- look at the sheet music anymore for this one part you know yeah. I don't need to think about bodhicitta I just yeah. did something compassionate or had a very deep insight into bodhicitta that it will come I remember one time I think it was uh, before I was uh, studying Tibetan Buddhism but I was you know sort of considered myself a spiritual person uh, this was in California and there was just a homeless guy and i turned the corner and there he was and his his cart was overturned and he was just sitting on the curb and you know he looked really just beaten down i was like okay i'm just sort of look does he need any help no it doesn't look like he needs any help so i walked on and behind me a woman ran out of this this store and ran over to him she's like are you okay do you need any help with anything and I had been walking around before that, thinking, "Oh, it's compassion. What is the idea of <laughs> compassion?" And it just, and you know, I just had to laugh to myself. And I do that a lot. It's just when, you know, I, I can see little things that that come up. Even now, I go, "Oh, Mister Spirituality, <laughs> look what you just thought."
2: You know. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. There it is. You know, that's our that's our special little journey we have yeah just to, to, yeah. to view to see these things right
0: so where do you think that how does how does that spontaneity how do you think that sort of becomes part of the, f- the fabric of your being
3: well
1: um for one thing i think it's it takes awareness i, I know that it so it helps if someone's doing some kind of uh, meditation practice or some kind of practice where they're trying to uh Be a little bit more present, a little bit more aware of what they're thinking during the day and and about other people and things like that. And then, uh, what I like to, uh, one direction I like to teach about and also have experienced many times is um, recognizing when your heart closes.
0: Mm, Interesting
1: you know, and using that itself as a practice all day long. And there's so many opportunities. Like I had, uh, what was it? One day I did a thing where I was, I've, I was sitting in a, a parking lot, in a parking lot, and uh, I was watching all these people come and go. And I noticed that each person that appeared I had a thought process around,
2: right, right, you know,
1: and it's like, and I started noticing, oh, I have all these assumptions, mm-hmm. by the I don't know this person at all. And by the way that they're dressed, you know, I've got, okay, I know who this, I know what this person's like. I know their whole history by the way the clothes they're wearing or the, the car yeah. they're driving. Or, and, um, but I, st- I was, so becoming fascinated in that process can show, can show us how our mind is working. And then, and that day, what happened was I realized that, Oh, wow. In order for me to put someone somewhere on a scale, I had to be on the scale. So it's like, they were either above me or they were below me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the only way that, that worked is if the self me was in there. And then, so then, I thought, okay,
3: what if I stopped doing that and tried to see them as equal?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's this great thing I learned one from a teacher. It was, uh, you know, anytime you look at anyone that you see, you know, may you be happy, may you never suffer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, what if I recognize, yeah, everyone exactly around me, they just want to be happy and they don't want to suffer. I don't, it doesn't matter whether they're uh, driving a Lamborghini or a, whether they're pushing a shopping cart. They're trying to avoid pain and they're trying to be happy. And then I when I go there, I feel such equality. And so I started doing that a lot. So I would, whoever I saw, I would just, in my mind, uh, I would say, I love you in my mind. I, I love you. May you be happy. May you never suffer. And if you want to get high sometime without using drugs, stand on a corner and watch every single person that you go by say, I love you. May you be happy. May you never suffer. And you will just turn your, your whole in being begins to change as you, the self drops and your heart starts to go out with, with loving compassion to all these people. And what do you? That's that's free. It just doesn't cost you anything. All it is is a a thought process, and it's very spontaneous. And all you need to do is remember to do it.
0: Yeah. So you're you're sort of creating a, a pure world for yourself, and you're having pure, looking at things with, through pure vision
1: yeah as you are like as best you can to because this whole idea of I can't help anybody unless I can help them,
3: you know like so well, how unless I, gonna, I unless I
0: achieve enlightenment as per the bodhi yeah, yeah, right yeah yeah
1: and and this whole idea of uh understanding that the only thing that's making people suffer mainly is what's tormenting their mind mm-hmm. and if we understand we've gone through this whole road of understanding our own torment how about people who haven't done any spiritual work and they're just under the burden of this torment of their mind right so your com- compassion can go out to them i remember um um someone at one point tried to break into my van and s- steal my van and they they mm-hmm. managed to get some spare change out of the front and stuff and then however the the alarm worked that they were, they couldn't get the van. And um, I got out the next day and I saw my van I had broken into. And just an, it's an idea of how you could witness the, how you've changed as a being is, I felt really bad for those guys. It was yeah. like, I felt,
2: well,
1: it, I was sad that they failed because i imagined myself there trying to steal a van and then it didn't work <laughs> right. then there's the, there's the frustration of failing right uh there was nothing in there for them except some spare change in the front and but the fact that they decided that they would ch- do that which would potentially hurt somebody else to get something they wanted you know i just really felt bad and and w- wished them you know wish them the end of of that pain that causes them to give pain to others.
0: So that's a definite sense of not being attached. Yeah. In your case, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then, so these are like little landmarks and then I know for sure, like years before that, I would have been like, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, you know, and then tell all my friends
0: about these jerks that tried to do this thing to me. Exactly. Yeah, I think in any time, like you were saying, uh, notice when your heart is closing. Yeah, You know, I had a a thing recently where I had to return something that someone sent to me and it was, the package was damaged and, you know, I had every right to ask for my money back, but the the people were being just sort of kind of rude about it. And my thought was, you know, I know that I'm right and I know I'm going to get what I want here. And and it's more to help you be a better, you know, um, person as not, not a better person as be a better company to see, you know what I mean? Like something's wrong here. It's your responsibility to sort of step up. I couldn't have cared less. You know what I mean? It was just a question of $40 or something like that. If they would have said no, I said, okay, I would have gone on with my day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's all, I think there's a lot of things that you can do that, but it's counterintuitive, right? To walk it's around. It's counterintuitive. To think, when's my heart closing? Where's my heart closing? As opposed to just always trying to see the good in things. And then you look and go, oh, that's not good.
2: <laughs> Something yeah. like
0: that. I did an experiment once. I think I, I don't remember, heard this. Maybe it was Tony Robbins or someone like that. But he said, just just program your mind before you step out the door. Just You just want to see love everywhere you go. <laughs> and then he said, see hate. And so I did the love thing. And it's like, I just walked out right away. And there was some chalk that some you know little girl had drawn, just the word love and a heart there. And then when I did the hate thing, I like, there was dog poop and all of this <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> I think we do really, you know, yeah. there is, I don't, people realize there's a real a lot of power yeah. in the way that you view the world and you actually have yeah. control over that. Yeah. You can turn it. Yeah.
1: I think another great practice that's we can all do anytime is uh, when you go shopping, like, you know, yeah. you go, you go shopping and uh, the. There's a teller, and someone needs a price check, and you're four people behind in line, and everybody's getting everybody's getting impatient. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then, so then at that moment, you have a choice: Are you going to start putting on that face? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Or it, 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 Shanti Deva has this great master Shanti Deva this, this teaching where you where you exchange yourself with that with a person where you're like, okay what would the teller like from me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably not this face, you know, and then you, That's true. and then, and then you decide, okay, you know, counterintuitive to whoever you may be feeling. If you are feeling agitated, you do the opposite and, uh, you know, smile, give love, whatever it is, it, you know, and try to ease the tension and.
0: Uh, yeah, and yeah, it, have, have fun with good. it. Have you fun know. with it,
1: and it, it feels good. You get the result pretty much instantly. But it, according to Buddhism, the beautiful thing is actually that actually plants some karma,
2: hmm.
0: also. So, I love it when I find out that I'm wrong about something, or that I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing something stupid, or I'm just not being a nice person. I can kind of laugh about that. It's not. It's not things that I say it's just it's all mental at this point you know like if I'm in the 20 items or less thing and I see someone with a big thing and like oh and I count and I, and then it gets oh there's just 19 wow it looks a lot more <laughs> but I wasn't saying this I wasn't shooting any daggers at the person you know right. but uh, yeah it's interesting too just um, there, there's a lot you spend time in the grocery store in line mm-hmm. so why not do some practice you know yeah. Um, it's a really good time to sort of sharpen your awareness and I know being in in my little small town community here, everyone's very friendly. I know everybody, everywhere you go, you're always running into somebody. And so, you know, I'm always sort of a naturally friendly person, but it's really amped up since I've moved here. But when I come back to Vancouver or something, I get on the bus and I say hello to everybody. It doesn't fly. And I always thought that Vancouver was a very friendly city, but people that are from there, they go, oh no, it's a cold place. I'm like, okay. Cold and barren land. (laughs) People are rude. It's like I don't think so, but okay, yeah. I guess it's all your perspective.
1: Well, I think that you know that thing you were talking about—the power of deciding to look for this or look for that—and mm-hmm. that whole idea of noticing when the heart closes, and and then and so by that, then it opens if you notice that usually. And this whole idea of of bodhicitta—I mean, it really is about. Opening the heart, mm-hmm. you know. So I think what's really beautiful is so you can access this this ultimate sort of compassionate wish by noticing when the heart is going to lock up, because that's where all the action is. So even if you notice the movement, so you're getting used to the the wind, or you're getting used to the movement of the energy in your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's where the action is. So even noticing if it's unable to open, you're still, in a sense, accessing that point and and, understand, and dialing more into that mm-hmm. um, realm of reality.
0: And you're, like you first said, it's where you're putting your awareness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the winds go there, of course. Yeah. Um, oh, that, that's a good segue here. You're talking about meditation that, um, before you came to Tibetan Buddhism, that you had, uh, a, yeah. a, a lot of, uh, experience with that. So how did that, how did that start exactly?
1: Well, it's interestingly in, um, my very, very first moment of meditation was, I don't remember the name of the book, but it was a Zen meditation book. I, I do remember that. And, uh, I opened up the book and whoever the author was, uh, was challenging the reader. I challenge you. I challenge you to try and keep your focus on the second hand mm. on the clock for one full minute. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Sure. Yeah. You know, and so i looking at the second hand go around and I don't know when I lost focus. And, but I realized, I like, whoa, I couldn't do it. And then I tried again and I still couldn't do it. And that really disturbed me. I thought, okay, I'm actually trying to look at this thing go around and I couldn't focus for, I don't know how many seconds before I was like off in la la land. Um, So that was like the first moment when I thought, okay, something's broken and I need to fix it.
3: Like uh, this. How How old were you when this was? I was
1: 20, 23 years old. Okay. Yeah. And, and I recognized, wow, if I, this is affecting my life in ways I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So I started doing uh, meditations where, and in the book, it was like, uh, I was pretty, like, I, I really wanted it, you know, so <laughs> you, you stare at the wall close to the wall, you know, think of nothing and I didn't understand. And so I was really, I got really religious about it. I do it every day. Even if we were visiting, you know, my girlfriend's parents, I'd like steal away and stare at the wall. Oh, that's funny. You know, <laughs> you know, I really like wanted it, you know. Uh, but, but that uh, eventually led me to uh, this, it was a meditation group and they were called, they were called Leyline, Leyline. And they were all okay. about subtle body meditations and, What happened was um, this person uh, did a thing where they, uh, what did they do? There was this girl and she grounded her energy. That's right. She sat in a chair and did this thing and uh, closed her eyes. And then (laughs) she grounded her energy as as she put it. And she connected to the earth. And she says, "Uh, you can't lift me. I'm like, what do you mean I can't lift you? She says, if you tried to lift me up right now, you couldn't lift me up. I'm like, she's this tiny girl. I'm like, sure, sure I could lift you, but I couldn't. No kidding. I couldn't get her off the ground. And uh, it was so um, visceral. Mm-hmm. I, I went to the class that she was from and I did this, the same exercise where we were leaving us through these classes. And what we were doing was we were getting in touch with our chakras, and mm-hmm. getting to touch with their inner subtle body. And part of that was connecting to the earth and connecting to the universe. And there's this one exercise where you stand there and you visualize this uh, energy going down from your hips and rooting into the center of the earth.
2: Uh-huh. And when
1: you do it right, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, boom. Yeah. And there was a big guy behind me. He's like easily 50 more pounds than me. And he put his arms around me. And I knew he wasn't going to be able to lift me. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And he went. He went. Oh, he's like, what the, what the, what? And he's lifting. And I could feel my heels slightly lift, and it was like this cord being stretched. And I'm just using this, this telling you story because that's what got me. Mm-hmm. That was like, okay, there's some reality to this. And then so, I started doing these practices, and it all it really was. well, they call it running your energy? But you, I was starting to see my chakras and my uh, leg channels and arm channels and all these channels, channels, channels. So I um, I did that. I did that. Uh, and I like every single day and I eventually went on a 14-month uh, trip where I traveled and I did that every single day and that. By the end of that trip, so 14 months later after doing that every single day, by the end of that trip, I could sit on a log in the middle of the woods for as long as I wanted and have f- flies crawling all over me and I'd be absolutely unperturbed. I'd be just wow. completely, complete stillness. I didn't know what, see at that time, I'd never heard the word stillness. I'd never heard of watching your breath. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of shamatha. I'd never, I'd never do all of those things, but I had reached this state where I could just do whatever I wanted. But I could I could go wherever I wanted, but I always had to come back mm-hmm. to my mental affliction that would just arise again in my body as soon as I got up. And so that's was that's how was like a solid meditation practice, and I had that all happening and then i stumbled into buddhism and they were meditating in a very very different way yeah you know so i had to take this ability that i had reached in that practice and kind of forget about it and then start to suddenly there was altars refuge prayers and uh, visualizations death awareness meditations all these kind of things where you're really um,
3: doing very, very, very different things. so it I really it took me a long time to actually be able to use the skill that I had
1: cultivated in all the other practice and bring it into my Buddhist practice. And then when
0: those two met, it was awesome well, that that's very um, similar to the story of the life of the Buddha. I believe, when he was still the prince in in the, in the palace there, the palace grounds, he sat down to meditate when he was like a teenager and mm-hmm. he achieved samadhi right away. But then he still, exactly what you said, he came back and everything was still the way that he had left it, you know, and then he saw sort of the, the old man and all of that and decided to go out. And there were still a lot of learning that had to go on before he uh, reached enlightenment, of course. Yeah, so that you this was fourteen months with the the ley lines
1: uh, people. Well, it was it was fourteen months of doing that teaching. I it see. was I, I was uh, was actually traveling with my ex girlfriend now, but we mm-hmm. basically uh, said, you know what, let's take off with our truck and a little trailer, and <laughs> and we just put all our stuff in storage, and we just we had a a book that was a camp in the U S for $5 and under. (laughs) And we just went from campsite to campsite and these campsites, you could stay for two weeks at a time. Then you had to move on and you, and I, they were all free and you, but you had to do a chore Mm -hmm. while you were there, like clean up something. And so that's what we did. And we, one of our rules was uh, no clocks and no mirror for the first month. So I didn't see, I didn't look at myself in the mirror or use the clock for the first month. And it was amazing. And then, and we, we just went for hikes and like, I was so lit up by this meditation practice that I was doing that. Oh, at least an hour a day, at least. I've never heard
0: of the mirror thing. I know what the clocks I was having, I've had just in, throughout my life, just insomnia. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd see the clock, it's like, oh, 3.30. So that's only me. You're going to get four hours of sleep, blah, blah, blah. And I learned to just cover the clock. Yeah. And now it doesn't matter, you know? What yeah. A, what a difference that made. So what do you think with the with the the root chakra and, and the grounding of the earth? Because I was doing a practice earlier this year going through the chakras and spending not just a day or running through them all within an hour, but spending a lot of time with each one. And mm-hmm. when I did the root chakra, it's exactly what you said. It was just so, there's a grounding and a power. I wish I would have thought to have someone come over and try to lift me up to see if that would work but what do you what is the what was the basis you think of, of that sort of physical aspect of that of not being able
3: to to move somebody
1: God, that's a good question you know yeah um
3: i think that that you know it comes down to that uh force you
1: know that element of force of nature or life that's
3: present that no one can see, you know, like, um, ah, you see these things where,
1: ah, like the uh, mother lifts a car. Right. With your baby. Like, how is same that possible? Thing. Yeah. Same, same idea. And I think that if you've ever had some, well, I know you that you have Greg, uh, deep meditation experiences, you know, like what's going on there, you know, you go, you go into these deep experiences and suddenly, you know, without a thought of it, you don't aware of your body anymore, right. but you're certainly in a different energetic realm mm-hmm. and you're feeling things that you don't normally feel. And, uh, I think the, the deepest, like getting into very deep meditations, you almost like you tap into this, uh, I don't know, like a fountain of youth almost like mm. a, that's, that's an insurgent or a, a force that is there. And you get a sense that th- it is spilling out and providing all of life. And yet there's no really putting your finger on where that's really coming from. Yeah. Uh, and there you are aware of it in a way that you couldn't otherwise be aware of it unless you're in deep meditation. So how that works, where you could actually
3: uh, influence energies like that. You know, I wish I could tell you how how that works, (laughs) but I don't. I just
1: just know that there's something about where your mind goes because you're doing it with your mind. You're doing it with your mind and yet you're somehow influencing
3: this energy. And like, for me, I know that that visual of the constant flow of uh, it going down to the core of the planet, right? And then
1: stretching out and grabbing the I could feel that do something. And the same, same thing one time I was meditating and someone t- uh, taught, you know, imagine a point in space directly above you. Let's just decide that it's the North Star. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they said North Star, and I could imagine a straight line coming down from the universe, it does something.
0: you know. That's true. I think you're, you're um, sort of cultivating your awareness. You're flexing yeah. the awareness. I, one, one of my favorite things to do is just sort of like you have your awareness just sort of narrow and then widen it and widen it. And then you can yeah. like go out to the, you know, 100 miles in each direction and just keep going and going. And uh, yeah, I think any of the those um, meditative experiences, yams, I think they're called. The, right. There's yeah blessings. I'm I'm humbled uh, even by the slightest you know thing because it's it's like wow this is much more than the effort that I put in or that I'm sort of worthy to. It's like there's it's like it's mind blowing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, I love that. Yeah, more than I put in. I love mm-hmm.
0: that. And you said something too about when you were first sort of meditating that you you saw
3: the channels.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Sorry. No. I, yeah. Um, yeah, saw the channels,
1: uh, saw the chakras. And uh, th- this is another interesting point about what you're saying about what you look for. So, you know, and the teaching was you're not – just notice what's there. Mm -hmm. Don't try to don't make it up. Notice what's there, and at first it really does feel like you're pretending to see something. But then you're using that pretending to see something to something actually appears, and something you and you know that you're seeing something that's that's quote unquote there, and you feel it as you see it. And what is very interesting is at that time when I was really hitting it hard during those types of meditations you begin to see it in other people as well. Mm. So then, and, and you relate, I began to relate to myself. This, remember, this is like pre-Buddhism, so I didn't understand the emptiness of all of these things or anything mm. like that. Just, and it was all about me. I mean, there's no bodhicitta going on here, okay? This is <laughs> all about, it's all about me, and I'm actually, I'm experiencing pride. Mm-hmm. This is like, I, I will, I, I I thought I was, I was prideful about it. So, uh I began to see the chakras in other people and their auras and start to be to see people not as humans. So then you're looking at someone and you're seeing like a timeless being,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but only because I've been looking so hard at the timelessness of myself. And then so been able to connect with people on a much different level. Which was really all cool and fun, and I could get pride from that, but it did not fix my unhappiness.
2: Yeah, and you're it just, made they... me.
1: It made it more aware. Maybe sorry. What yeah. were you saying, Greg? No, go ahead. Please. No, it it made it. It made me more aware of my unhappiness, and be, and because it wasn't fixing it. I went through a very very crazy time. Mm. It wasn't until the Buddhist teachings that I started to get a handle on how to deal with my affliction. all this stuff I was doing it it helped me big time later into
3: Buddhism. but at the time, it was really, really uh, powerful, but I wasn't. Uh,
1: I didn't have the teachings that were would tell me, okay, now here's how to use this for good.
0: Yeah, or just the the idea of emptiness. In yeah. All it, of oh, that. yeah. There you yeah. go.
1: Yeah. I mean, God. It like, just will, opens yeah. up a whole door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, we, we, one of our talks. We can go down that road to be fun, but yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe next time too. The um, yeah, I think there's something of um, just being in the moment all the time and not letting your mind drift off, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: to to keep your awareness present. Um, And that's a hard thing to do. And it's a very, it's a cliche thing that you'll hear all the time. Um, I saw a Kylo Rinpoche um, talk recently, a couple of years ago, and um, something he said that that, uh, really just struck me. And it was sort of like the only teaching that I pulled away from it, you know, but he said, just focus on the details. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking that you're going through life and, and you're just walking around in your daily life and, and your mind's scattered or you're, it's dull or whatever, because you can just focus on the details of what's in front of you, of the person in front of you. Mm. You know, and that's that sharpens the awareness. Yeah. Notice. Not, yeah, notice. Yeah. Notice.
1: Yeah. Nice. I like that.
0: Yeah. I use that all the time. I have a little sheet right here. Focus on the details. (laughs) Focus on the details. (laughs) Good. Well, I'm going to write down emptiness. Maybe we can dive into that as part of a a uh, five-part episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Would you like to close us out with uh, dedication or something? Oh,
3: sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll never get tired of doing dedication. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's do it again. Uh, No, let's not do it again. Let's do it like we never
3: did it before. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I like it. So like we were talking about where your mind goes, winds go. So then we focus on the heart. And you can visualize winds being drawn there, this sweet clarity,
1: and imagine that this is the source or the wellspring
3: of all you know kindness, which is unending and free. And then we can decide to give away our our kindness, our kind thoughts. and let this brim out of the heart, fill the body, explode out of the body, radiating out. And this idea of looking at other beings with loving kindness, these precious beings that like ourselves have lived for, many lifetimes and trying to be happy, trying not to suffer.
1: So then this loving kindness goes out to them and decide that
3: by the goodness of your practice, by the goodness of your intentions, that all these beings could be free, true freedom, and experience that. Well being and loving kindness cool the fires of affliction. So just imagine that radiating out of your, out of your body and touching all beings and rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. the goodness of what we have just done,
1: may all sentient beings complete the collection of merit and wisdom, thus gain the two
3: ultimate bodies that merit and wisdom make. And then the light withdraws back into your body, back into your heart. And thank you, Greg. Thank you, Omichel.